0: parties, and other amazing events. Visit milu, M-I-I-L-U, dot com. This podcast is also brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the professional photographer. Visit photographersedit.com. All right, Boca Podcast listeners, we are back for another episode, and a rare occasion this is that I actually get to do an interview live, I'm sitting in the studio and home of Yannick and Sasha Baggio. And I am pronouncing that correctly again, yes?
1: You do now, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> Perfect. So we, and, and we actually had the opportunity to chat on episode 43. This is going to be, we're well over 300 episodes into the Boca Podcast now. Um, you all came on, you were kind enough, gracious enough to come on the show early on. And we talked at that time about what it was like to move into a new market, because you had, you had moved into San Diego market at that point, yes?
1: Yeah, that was like um, about two and a half years ago. That's when we moved from Chicago to San Diego. And now we are in Irvine, which is in Orange County in California.
0: So you're about, what, an hour and a half or so from the market that you were in previously? A little bit more of an urban, in, or not an urban, but how would you describe it, uh, it is.
1: I would say it's it's a very suburban,
0: suburban. M- there you go. There's plus
1: the very corporate environment here. So I read somewhere that around thirty percent of Fortune five hundred companies have headquarters here. Uh, so it's a very diversified business area uh, combined with Los Angeles area. Okay.
0: All right. So, But you're in a pretty crowded market. And by the way, Sasha is sitting right next to Yannick here. At least say hello, Sasha.
2: Hello. Thank you for coming over to our studios. (laughs) We're so excited to have you here.
0: Oh, well, no. And really, it's my privilege. And I rarely get to do these interviews in person. So this is actually fun. I get to look at you all. And then we're going to be talking about fine art prints, selling fine art prints. I actually get to be in your studio and see those prints. They're right behind me. We'll comment on those a little bit later. But um, I want to jump right into what is our, normally our first question. We actually talked about brand position the last time I had you all on, but I want to talk about it again. You've moved into a new market, a very busy market at that. Um, so I, I want to know your perspective on brand position. How do you set your brand apart from the other photographers in this
1: market here? So I think overall, we would like to be or we want to be positioned slightly in the upper middle range in terms of the the pricing but this is you know purely from the pricing perspective but you know what we focus on primarily is on the overall experience from the moment when somebody reaches out to us, when they come to our studio, we have the conversation, you know, we often meet and go outside our own way to meet with the, with our couples uh, or families to make sure that they are happy with everything, with the whole uh, experience. And then we invite them over multiple times to see the photos, to select the photos that they want to get printed. And then we often deliver the prints and even the electronic file the USB drive in person,
0: really, okay, but you you mentioned the word experience, and we were actually having a conversation about this before we started recording mm-hmm. the significance of experience, especially as technology continues to uh, well, I guess move forward and enable the consumer to become a photographer to shoot a decent picture. Not only do we need to be able to photograph a a pretty picture as photographers, but we need to provide an experience that's actually unique. And the fact that you're very hands-on, engaging with your clients in person, having them over to your home and studio, delivering a USB drive in
1: person, I mean, this is kind of taking that experience to another level, right? Yeah. I mean, one of the main reasons why I even started to photograph is because I love interacting with people. Mm -hmm. uh, And on top of it taking their photos and create those memories for them so for me the whole interaction with people is just a natural way of dealing with the people that i photograph so yeah so you know we want to make sure that they just look at their photos not from the perspective solely of a oh, it's a beautiful photo technically mm. perfect mm-hmm. great colors mm-hmm. but it brings memories Of being photographed or the moment that we're at you know like whether it's a wedding so it was their wedding day and they have more emotional attachment to those photos versus just a technically perfect photo yes
0: well and again that goes back to the experience I mean and I've mentioned this in the podcast before but I've who knows how many times I had clients or friends or family of clients come up to me at a wedding they have not seen one picture yet and they're like oh my goodness you're such an incredible photographer And that had absolutely nothing to do with my photographic skills, right? It was, it was all about their experience interacting with me as the photographer. Exactly. And I think that's going to continue to carry more and more significance moving forward because as we were talking about earlier, I mean, I'm holding an iPhone 11 pro here. Mm -hmm. I'm able to take a really decent picture with this, with this phone. So we're going to have to be able to do more than just take a good picture. We're going to have to be able to provide a unique experience that they're willing to pay that premium dollar for. And I think that's so important. So I love that you emphasize the experience. Are you able to communicate that on your website? If somebody comes to your website, they, they they're learning about your brand
1: for the first time. How do you communicate the significance of that experience to them? So this is a very good point. I mean, this is still um, a work in progress for us in terms of conveying the the whole experience with us. I mean, we try to do it through uh, various articles or you know, versus I mean, um, and also the. Um, information how the whole process works with us Uh, one thing that is outstanding for us uh, is to actually create videos about the process that we that we taking our couples through or families and then the second part and this is something that Sasha and I um, have been uh, planning and has started to work on is the whole series of videos about our tips to wedding couples, you know, from how to prepare your room for getting ready on the wedding day as, you know, or just basically how to choose your wedding plan or how to even choose your photographer. So you want to have a whole series of videos and makes it that we hope that this will make the experience even more personal with us. So by the time they come to our studio and meet us, they you know, they will know us a little bit better already.
0: Well, and I have to say, I mean, and I mentioned this on, on the previous episode that I hosted you all on, you're you're so engaging. I, I love your, your personalities. You're easy to talk to. You're fun to talk to. You're excited about what you do. Mm. The, the the chemistry between the two of you is great. I mean, that makes such a big difference in, again, that client or potential client's experience. But then if you're able to communicate that or convey that effectively using video, I'm, I'm sure you'll convert clients even more effectively.
1: So uh, it's funny that you mentioned the um, the previous podcast that we had a few weeks ago. I photographed a wedding in um, Los Angeles. No, it was actually here in Orange County. And the photographer that I photographed with, uh, this was the first time that we worked together. Okay. And when she came over, she f- she knew because that
2: because I'm on bed rest. Yeah.
1: Because uh, and then she knew that Sasha is in bed rest right now because Sasha is uh, almost ready to give birth. So she gave me a pack of gummy bears for my wife because she listened to the podcast you know our first podcast and then Sasha mentioned you know at that podcast that her favorite thing in the world are gummy bears nice so
2: they still are
1: they still are so that would be the we've
0: we've begun asking a question pretty regularly I know we got into it in that first episode but what is what is that thing that enables you to be a better photographer the unique thing in your camera bag and it would still be the gummy bears for you Sasha
2: I actually have a gummy bear glass jar in my camera, the lens part of my camera A
0: glass jar? You get fancy with it. Wow, okay. Thank you, Weston
2: Milwaukee Hotel, for feeding me when I was hungry.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The other thing that I I wanted to, and this is kind of a segue really into another one of my questions for you that has to do with books, interesting books. But uh, I see a book right there, and and it says, How to Write Copy That Sells. Uh, I have to say there are not a lot of photographers' websites that I've gone to where I'm really impressed with the copy. Many times, in fact, I'm even kind of bored. Um, you actually have a lot of copy on your website, but for some reason, it's compelling. And I'm, I'm not sure if maybe you're, you're applying some of the techniques that, you, that you've learned in this particular book. But when we talk about the idea of communicating the significance of your brand position and the
1: experience the client's going to get, were you applying some of the principles from that book? Uh, absolutely. And I can't take too much of the credit on uh, on the copy that is on our website because it's mainly Sasha who writes. Maybe sometimes I'll maybe put the first draft and then Sasha corrects me. Sometimes Sasha put the first draft and then we read it correctly and you know and I make some changes. But Sasha's really the the main brain behind uh, most of the copy. But lately, and this is part of uh, the experience that we have with our couples, one of our bride, Carrie, who we photographed last year in La Jolla, she actually became the writer for us. Really? Yeah. So uh, she's super excited about it. And her writing, you know, she read all our articles and made sure that when she writes, it's the same style as we write. So she became automatically a part of our team And like the last two or three articles that we posted, basically I gave her all the ideas that I have in my head, the random thoughts, and then she puts it into words that follow our style. Interesting.
2: And she puts she puts a twist on it from a bride's or a past bride's perspective, which is really nice because I feel like when Yannick and I were writing, we were mostly writing from a photographer's perspective, even though we got married ourselves, but we're part of the industry. So sure. we're kind of in a haze.
0: Yeah, it's easy to kind of blinders on and not really think from the perspective of the bride. You're right.
2: Like, but
0: I, I'm curious, though, with that book, and maybe Sasha, you can comment on this as well. And and this will be a good segue into my the question that I normally ask about a favorite business book. But this this book, How to Write Copy That Sells, is by Ray Edwards. Mm-hmm. Is there a principle or two that you learned from that that, that that you can remember that stands out that you were able to implement
1: and and helping write some of the copy on your site? I think for me, for before was writing from my own perspective. Okay, like what I wanted to communicate to the people that are reading it. Uh, this book helped us to. Put ourselves in the shoes of people reading it, uh, and trying to understand what situation they are in, and what is their problem, and how what you know what we can do to sol- to solve that problem, and then what is the process of doing it. Huh. Uh, so so that you know so that book actually you know helped us a lot in you know writing writing from that perspective versus just having hey we have all this information listen to us
0: yeah which I'm, I'm so glad that you said that because a lot of the copy that you do see on photographers' websites is kind of ego-driven. It's like talk, talking about me and the things that I've done and accomplished and how I feel and what my favorite food is. And, and at some point, I can't help but think that the, that clients are just going to get so bored because they don't care about all this stuff, right? They want to know how you're going to add value to their life. And you can't do that as effectively if you're not thinking from their perspective.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, the, I think over the years and, you know, if you listen to, uh, a lot of educational videos or conferences, you know, in the last I would say 5 to 10 years, there's a lot of focus on photographers becoming the rock stars or being the most interesting people in the world and, you know, other people, the educators, were teaching other photographers that we are all super interesting, and we just have to tell <laughs> other people how interesting we are. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I agree. We all have our own stories, yes. But yeah. you know, we have to think more about our couples or families and where is their perspective versus how cool we are. Yeah, I love it, and that sums it up beautifully.
2: Or, or I think at one point in our business, more in the beginning, we were writing more for like. SEO purposes. So Ah. it was good content, but it was not as good as it could have been. Mm. So now instead of worrying about the SEO behind it, we just write everything out and then we try to make simple paragraphs. So, you know, it's easy to read and the user doesn't get bored and leaves our page.
0: And I think that's a really good reminder for our listeners, but this is, since we're talking about books, I want to keep talking about, you've got two other books there. Share, share those just briefly. Uh, So
1: the next one is, uh, getting things done. The art of stress-free productivity. Yeah. Uh, you can see that this book has been through a lot. Uh, I mean, you know, you can't see it, but this book is bitten by my dog multiple (laughs) times. I think it's coffee spilled on it. Uh, I mean, it's flew, you know, but it's a really good book. Um, and basically try to make me more productive.
0: And, and I, ha- I will add the, the caveat, which is that um, it is it, it goes deep. Like, it, And I say it goes deep. It, it really gets into the weeds of productivity. So um, it's not necessarily an easy weed. I, I read this book by David Allen years ago now, probably, I don't know, maybe 12 or 14 years ago, maybe even more. Um, my friend Kevin Swan introduced it to me and I've since applied principles from that book and still do, actually, to my task and project management. Yeah, I but
1: do it, For me, the biggest one was to uh, time block everything. Okay. not you know, Stay away from tasks or tasks list and just time block your calendar that these are the times where I'm doing things and this is where I need to you know, get done this. Interesting. Yeah,
0: which is something, honestly, that I need to apply more in my life. David talks, one of the things he talks about in there that really stuck out to me, too, was the... Um, the significance of having a place to put everything. Because a lot of times I think photographers and entrepreneurs get stressed out because they're trying to keep everything up here in their head and they don't have a place where they can unload everything that's going on in their head so that they can actually keep track of it. And so having a place to put that in a specific workflow uh, for that purpose is really important. So we'll, we'll link to this book in the show notes yeah. as well as. And,
1: and Sasha makes fun of me very often. Oh, really? About the calendar specifically, or, or sometimes, you know, the items on our list because. Once I put it on the list, I don't think about it until I have to get to it. So yeah. like if something is not in our calendar, yeah. in my head doesn't exist. I'm, I'm the same way. I totally get that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sasha, you're just, you're just that much cooler that you can actually keep up with that stuff because I am I'm terrible at that myself too. Unless it's in the calendar or my task list or Evernote, I'm, I'm kind of in trouble.
2: Well, I'll be like, okay, Yannick, I'm going to the movies with my neighbor. Yeah. What do you mean you're going to the movies with the neighbor? It, it wasn't in our calendar. It wasn't in the calendar? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally like that. I, I get it. I get it. Yeah. What's, the, what's the third book?
1: I mean, it's a classic. I, I'm sure you read it. Have you read this? I haven't, actually. So this is the Starbucks Experience, yeah. uh, Five Principles of Turning Ordinary into Extraordinary. Um, Joseph, Joseph McKelly, is that right? Yeah, yeah. and this is... It's a book that basically describes what makes Starbucks different than a lot of other businesses in terms of caring about the client and providing the extraordinary, and employees, yeah, and employees, uh, and providing the, uh, the extraordinary experience. Um, so a lot of the stuff that, you know, Starbucks does through the through the experience, I think we can implement you know, through photography as a business because those are very kind of, generic principles that, you know, that any business can apply.
0: The the one that I have read uh, read about Starbucks is one called Onward.
1: Yeah, we have that one as By well. Howard Schultz. Yeah, yeah. And that
0: was a pretty fascinating insight too into that one of the things that really stuck out to me about that ties into this customer experience that you're talking about, which is kind of having a mission, an underlying mission that drives what you do that goes beyond just doing business and the significant impact that that can make on the way that you do business, which ultimately has its, its benefits, but the Starbucks experience. So we'll, we'll link to all three of these books actually in the show notes. And for those of you listening in, if you go to Boca, B-O-K-E-H podcast.com, uh, there is going to be a wealth of resources from this conversation, from other episodes as well. You can look at the show notes there. We'll link to these books probably on Amazon so you can find them really easily, but I want to keep going cause we have a lot to cover and, and uh, we, what we really need to do is get to sushi afterwards right absolutely that that's the priority here so uh let's keep going here but talk to me just very briefly you've been in business now for how long Um, uh
1: so i started the business about 10 years ago
0: and sasha you were were you photographing at the same time remind us of the backstory there
2: so i met yannick in 2011 and i was a college student and because he you know Normally people go on dates over the weekends, but Yannick was working. So Mm. I became his Svalz, the sexy voice activated light stand. (laughs) That's Uh, right. You
0: talked about this in the last episode. So
2: that was fun for a few years. But then people like wedding guests were always telling me they feel sorry for me. So I'm (laughs) like, Yannick, I can do more. Yeah. So then we started to shoot together Mm. as a first boyfriend and girlfriend and now as a husband and wife team.
0: So in business now, then roughly you said for 10 years and 2011, so you came along a few years into that, quite a bit of experience between the two of you. What would you say is one of the most important lessons that you've learned as a business owner that you would be quickest to share with a fellow photographer?
1: I, I think one, to understand your business financially. Hmm. Uh, I think a lot of you know photographers as small business owners kind of don't run the financials properly they kind of like they don't know where the money goes and they don't know how the money comes in yeah uh so running your financials in a tight manner is very important uh so that's more from the business perspective i think always caring what the client experiences versus what am i getting as a photographer is more important um when you say what you're getting as a photographer um, you mean sometimes you know and I've seen this before or just, you know, uh, around that a lot of photographers complain that, what well, this wedding was this or this oh, couple was that. Yeah. I didn't get to shoot this detail. I didn't get to shoot this detail. Yep. And they often treat the other people's weddings as their stylized shoot. Yes. And, you know, if our couples want to have table shots, we do table shots because that's what's important to them, right? You know, and we, we kind of realized this after, after our own wedding. Because we were on the same boat before. Uh, and that's when we kind of had, there was an eye-opener to us that's really when we go to photograph any wedding, we should always first put the priority, uh, you know, our couples and what's important to them versus us, you know, having, you know, it doesn't matter whether we have a award-winning photo from that wedding or if we can publish this to a magazine, it doesn't really matter. Uh, this is extra bonus, you know, like, you know, if it happens, it happens. But, you know, if the client is happy, that's really the number one priority. Uh, Which is back to that experience again. Yes, Sasha, you were going to say something?
2: And also just back to, you know, since we've had this business together for over 10 years now, the other thing is just to constantly make sure that you're evolving and growing with your business. Mm. So Yannick and I, we get new samples of our wedding albums and our prints every year. And we just try to look at our business from an outside perspective and see what needs to be done differently or what we can grow more with.
0: That's so good. The keeping the open mind, but it all ties back to this: the importance of kind of setting aside our ego, right? I mean, you talk about the photographer making it about them, and that really does get in the way of serving the client best. It also gets in the way of being able to learn to continue to grow, like you were pointing out, Sasha. So this is, yeah, these are really, really good reminders. Um, talk to me about time, because um, I mean, first of all, your parents not only have a little one, Savannah, now, but you've got another one on the way. You're running a business. You have a relationship to take care of. How do you balance running a business and then making time for yourselves, for each other? Is there a tip or technique or trick that you can recommend to our listeners?
1: Well, I think, you know, as I mentioned before, the time blocking is very important. Uh, Sasha's yeah. smiling in the background. She's going to make <laughs> fun of you again. <laughs> I think that, you know, the the dedicating the time when you are Doing business and dedicated time when you're just focusing on family is very important. It doesn't have to be solid eight hours, you know, straight hours yeah. um, you know, during the day, but you should have those hours blocked so that, one, you don't feel guilty you know, when you work, and then you don't feel guilty when you spend time with your family. Yeah. that's a great point.
0: And I, I think that the, the simple idea that, I mean, it, it's such a simple concept, right? All, you, we have work time, we have play time, or we have relationship, we have family time. And and I like the way that you put it. You don't have to feel guilty doing either one. You, exactly. you put the time yeah. and the effort. You go hard with work. You go hard with family time or, yeah. or play time or whatever you want to call it, But but... I think that simple principle, if we actually apply it consistently, would make a big difference. But it's easy, mm-hmm. especially with these phones, to get distracted constantly in one direction or the other, right? Way too
1: easy. Yes, way too easy. But, you know, that um, beside, you know, dedicating time to work is very important to have the proper tools to automate things that just takes time uh, or to outsource uh, things if you can make spend your time more productively.
0: So automation is something that we've not talked a lot about on the podcast. Can you give one
1: example of some, something that you automate? So one, you know, so we also have a headshot business. Uh, so we use Acuity scheduling for all scheduling of the headshots. And we expanded the use of it to schedule all our wedding consultations, uh, whether it's a phone call, a phone call or, or in person, we use Acuity uh, to schedule all our meetings. Then we use follow-up CC. It's an add-on to Chrome. So this is basically to follow up on any on all the emails. Uh, so I don't have to remember, you know, did I follow up with that person or not? I just you know set those reminders and those emails pop up to me when needed. Is uh, that similar to boomerang? Have you used? Yes, is boomer. I, we use sometimes boomerang. The only advantage of boomerang versus follow up CC is that boomerang you can boomerang an email without replying to it. Follow up CC you have to reply to that email. Oh, I see. But follow up CC is is. It's uh it's a premium add-on but it's very powerful. Okay. It's extremely powerful uh you know it has a lot of you know features that we use a lot you know like uh it, it was definitely a big time saver and then we use two add-ons to like a pre uh written emails through Gmail and then we use Tave a lot of automation in Tave for tasks for emails uh for templates etc. Okay. Yeah, we, we were
0: talking, and actually, I pulled up acuityscheduling.com, and uh, I, they, they say acuity scheduling is your online assistant working 24 7 to fill your schedule. It really is nice that, I mean, we're in 2019. There are tools like this out there that don't cost a whole lot. Exactly. That can yeah. really automate a lot of our workflow. I, I use Calendly to schedule my appointments. Again, the, the amount of hours that I've saved in the last couple of years using that tool is just mind blowing because I don't have to have that mundane kind of monotonous, tedious back and forth via email or text message. Hey, can we do this? Sure. When are you available? Uh, this day, but at this time. Oh, but that doesn't work for me. What's in and the back and forth and you just waste so much time doing that kind of thing. Yeah. And now I actually have a shortcut set up uh, both in my phone and on my computer I just type in a quick shortcut and it generates the link to my Calendly calendar and I can just text that or email yeah. that or send it to somebody and they can just go in and grab a, a time to get on a call or to do a podcast interview or whatever it is.
1: Yeah, we have the, uh, what I'm using is the, I, I don't know how exactly the pronunciation, I think bit.ly, B-I-T-L-L-I, yeah, yeah. So I, I created those shor- shortened URLs, every type of a meeting, so I can, let's say, bit.ly slash Vasha Wedding consultation. And that's my, you know, to schedule Vasha consultation or Vasha phone call, that will be the phone call with me. That's perfect. Yeah.
0: And these these tools, one of the things I've said before, if you do a, a Google search for any kind of reactive task, like that busy work that you do, you can likely in 2019 find either a, a piece of software or a service that will do that that busy work for you. Okay. And these are some great examples of, of those types of tools. So make sure you take advantage. We'll link to all these resources in the show notes again let's just kind of keep moving here talk to me and and we actually alluded to this earlier the most unusual item in your camera bag now we already talked about gummy bears is there anything else that pops to mind that might be you know aside from a camera body or lens uh, that makes a big difference in your ability as a photographer
1: i always have altoids but oh
0: yeah i'm a little obsessed with mints myself
1: but that's just i I don't know if it's unusual or just should be you know every photographer's (laughs) you know bag but um i always have it and
2: yannick has a lube i don't No, not any a loop <laughs> so yeah uh,
1: but not anymore
2: i just make fun of him because it, he's always like sasha can you take the lube out of the bag <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay but you need to give a little context to that because everybody's gonna be like what in the world are they talking about
1: so for for those uh, that cannot read, my, I mean, I understand my accent properly, it's L O U P E, <laughs> loop. <laughs> uh, but sometimes I may have, you know, I may have said it like as loop, but uh, you know. Um, but anyway, I don't use it that much anymore because I switched to Canon EOS R, the mirrorless camera, uh, okay. so I can see my photos now in the viewfinder after taking it, and I don't have to look at the and you don't the have big to loop. Yes. Okay. <laughs>
0: That's too funny. Well, let's let's jump into this conversation about print. Um, mm-hmm. This is honestly not something we've talked about a lot in the podcast. And I think, honestly, it's it's largely because prints just aren't a popular thing to to sell, or mm-hmm. as popular in a way as they used to be. You have the convenience of digital files. Talk to me. I mean, what, what's your perspective about... Where
1: the industry is at right now with prints versus digital files. So I was always fascinated by prints um, as a photographer. So for me, always the, the photo was not fully done until it was printed. But um, I have to give credit to other people here. Why you know how they change our business? So two people is uh, Steve Saperito, Saperito from Australia. Uh, he definitely uh, changed our business, how we operate, and then focus on on experience and also on the prints or the wall art and products. Um, and then second person is uh, Marine from uh, Graphy Studio. Uh, She's been our partner for the last, I, I think, ten years uh, with different products. And thanks to Graphy Studio and everything they offer and the, our partnership, that's how we can offer the best to our clients. So, but from the print perspective. Um, I think because we have so many electronic photos bombarding us from all the different directions, I think when people come to our studio and see beautifully printed uh, photos, uh, they're in much more awe than they were in the past hmm. because it's so unusual. Interesting. That just not used to having or seeing a photo printed. So I think this has even a greater impact on people than it had in the past. So... You know, I know a lot of people complain that we're getting into this electronic, you know, age of photos. But to us, it's actually an opportunity to provide even greater experience to our clients because they're just not used to it. Interesting. Okay.
0: Now, on your website, it says, and this is a quote, actually, from your site. A few Christmases ago, Yannick's father shared a wedding photograph from Yannick's grandparents' wedding. The spark he got from seeing that photo is what inspires him to share the power of print with people can you tell us a little bit more about that image and kind of what your experience was with that?
1: Yeah, and actually, you know, I just when you sent me this text, I realized that this is a small typo. It's not grandparents, but it's actually great-grandparents. great okay, wow. Yeah, um, so, luckily, you know, uh, in our family, there was a history of, I guess, valuing photography and preserving them. So, you know, we had a good number of photos of our family of, you know, great-grandparents, and even for... I mean, the one generation is back. We have some photos, but those photos back then, it, it was very interesting. It's like half photo, half painting. They were painting the photo, really, uh, and those photos look it's very interesting. It's like kind of, like, it's a very weird, you know, uh, kind of format because it's it's not a painting, it's, but it's not a photo, but it's kind of a combination of two. Yeah. Um, but what
0: year did they get married? In, do you know.
1: I think this was, I think late, late 19th century, I believe. Wow. Yeah. Uh, you know, so like, you know, um, 1890 something, you know, and the when we saw this photo with Sasha, it, that, you know, that was really interesting because I saw this photo before, but then, you know, a few years ago, you know, when, uh, my, uh, my dad brought this, uh, these photos again from the box, we look at it and I'm like, I can't believe this. My great grandmother looks exactly like my sister. Really? Yeah. I mean, you could, you you know, if you, with some imagination, very little imagination, you could actually say that this is my sister, Martha that wow. is on this photo from the late 19th century. It's it's incredible.
0: Wow. Okay. So that, but what did that do? I mean, you, you notice the similarities and, and the, the family line, if you will, but what is, what was the experience there that translated to you saying, you know what, I need to do a better job of bringing physical prints to my clients?
1: Big Be- I mean, just the fact that I could see where our families came from, and mm. you know what what is the the whole kind of path of our families and you know how people looked and even though they were you know at the you know first glance they's like okay it's a different gener- you know different a era, and then you know people were different, but yet there's some kind of familiarity that those were still the same people and you know this was our family, and the the kind of feeling that those those photos photos got me it's like you know i wish i had an album of my great-grandparents you know wow. from their wedding yeah you know or i had more photos, not just one photo this is really the only photo that i have of them so this is something that you know we want to provide to our couple so you know that's why we make sure that all our albums are archival quality meaning that they're going to last at least 100 years or more because we want those future generations of their families to enjoy those those memories well, and, and you talked about the, the, the
0: significance of the physical print and how unusual it actually is these days to, to get a physical print or see a physical print when we're used to the digital files. Um, I, I was going to ask, in a culture obsessed with the, the convenience of that digital file, mm-hmm. how do we set the tone for selling physical prints? But it seems like you kind of answer that question already. I mean, if, if somebody comes to your studio, and we're sitting in your studio here, which is, is lined with large prints that impact has got to immediately capture their attention.
1: Yeah. I mean, practically every person, it doesn't matter whether it's even a client or not, when they come into our house, which half of our house is basically our studio and gallery. Uh, the first thing they notice are the beautiful prints. And, you know, we, few, how many years ago would you go to WPI to Peter Lake gallery? It was like three years ago. Yes. It says, yes. So we went to Peter Lake's gallery in, in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. and, we were just walking in the mall and we just walked into the gallery and we, I mean, literally I was pulling out my wallet to buy one of the prints just because of the experience, you know, the, the beauty of wow. how the photos were displayed and presented. And this is what, you know, kind of we wanted to do in our studio that that's why you, you know, we, we installed, I don't know, I think 30 spotlights on our walls so that every single photo stands out. So when people come in, they can appreciate every single photo and then all its beauty. When people come in, that's really the the first thing that we talk about. It's about those photos. I don't know if you want to add something, Sasha.
2: Kind of two things, just about the power and the value of prints. One, um, one of the prints hanging in our studio is a picture of our neighbors. They have four boys, and almost every day they ring our doorbell so they can see themselves hanging on our wall. That's really? how much they love it. Yeah. And then two, you know, Yannick and I we got married five years ago, and after we got married, we wanted to have our own wedding album from our wedding and Yannick and I had to save a year to buy our wedding album. So, we know where our wedding album is, but (laughs) we don't really know where our hard drive is with the photos. Mm. And that's what we look back at, our wedding album, not we're not scrolling through a thousand photos from our wedding because that's not what's, what ev- what evokes feelings for us.
0: Well, and I mean, even what's ironic is digital files are, are they seem convenient, but if you're talking about images that were captured five years ago, now, like you're you saying, you have to go back to a hard drive or find somewhere where those images are, pull them up, you know, plug in the drive or the USB or the flash drive, whatever it is, in order to pull this thing up, and then hopefully. That, that drive hasn't reformatted or gone corrupt and, and you don't have to use some special software to look at it, whatever it is, you can just pull the album out and look at it. And again, kind of ironically, that is actually not only the more convenient option, but it's certainly more impactful too.
1: Yeah, I think you know, in my own experience, I mean, I have a hard time finding photos on my cell phone from like three months ago. <laughs> it's you <know>? true, yeah. <laughs> you know? And especially in like... A lot of the photos now, even with Sasha, I mean, sometimes we just send to each other photos through like, I don't know, Facebook Messenger and try to find those photos after a few months. It's impossible.
0: It's a know? great point. Yeah, it's a really great point. Well, so when, when it comes to working with your clients, I mean, if you, they're coming to your office, your studio, there's a significant impact in actually seeing those prints. But I'm assuming that your whole workflow really from the first meeting, obviously, to the shoot, to the viewing, it all sets them up for a print sale. Um, So I'm wondering if you could just kind of briefly walk us through what that client interaction looks like from start to finish in order to set up that sale of the print.
1: Um, Yeah, so whether it's wedding or family, the the workflow is similar, but there's some differences. Obviously, with wedding uh, photography, we have a lot more touch points with our couples throughout the whole process so we talk about those prints you know when they come in the first time we talk about those you know from the beginning before they even like book us you know for their wedding they know that the end results will be you know some albums or some wall art or some you know some prints Um, and also when we have our collections our wedding photography collections we don't include a specific uh, item in our collection so we don't include like a, a specific album we just have a print credit so they can decide what they want to do with this print credit and then just you know either just use it fully or just uh use it as, as a partial payment for everything they order but it's up to them what they want to order so that goes through the initial conversation when we do the engagement session we invite them after the engagement session to see the photos as well I would say majority of our couples already buy prints from their engagement session, either for their own home to display or to uh, to display at the reception. And then after the wedding, we invite them again to our studio, and that's when they decide to either an album or wall art. Uh, when it comes to families, we definitely you know, and this is something we learned from Steve Saperito is to have the conversation with the families before the session to learn about them and what they love about each other, so that when we Photograph those families. We already we kind of know what we want to capture, mm. and we know their dynamics. So then, when they see those photos, it's not just our perspective oh. of on on their families. Yeah. It's really more how they see or how they love each other, mm. and that's that's you know, that's part of the of them being more emotionally engaged with those photos. So then, when they're looking at those photos and they're emotionally engaged, the money. Is, you know question is just secondary because they devalue what you know what they see and you know how much those photos will mean to them
2: and um going back to how you mentioned that we you know take the time to get to know families and what they value we do the same thing with our wedding couple so besides just focusing on the on our wedding couple we want to know besides also their parents who are the most important people in their lives mm. and who do we need to focus on on mm. the wedding day because you know, maybe their parents are going to come and buy their own wedding album from us. Uh, That has happened many times. So besides giving them an experience, they get a lot of homework with sending us mugshots and descriptions. Really? I was going to ask
0: like what kind of questions you ask them in order to get that kind of information, but you're saying mugshots and descriptions. What do you mean by that?
2: Yeah. So (laughs) people send us actual pictures of faces of the people that are important in their lives if they are overachievers which we prefer Mm -hmm. we get the name and then a little story about them so that even when we see them on the wedding day we're like hey bob i know you like chocolate let's talk about (laughs) chocolate or you know we always for us it's always important to make a connection as soon as we can with people because at the end of the day if somebody is going to be calling us photographer on the wedding day then we know we didn't do our job properly
0: wow wow so you've i mean that just sets you up i mean we talked about the significance of experience earlier that sets you up to provide a level of experience that goes way beyond what the average photographer is providing certainly because you know not just the couple for example but the family members and not just the family members are the details about the family members and you can speak to them and relate to them in a way that again most photographers wouldn't be able to that's huge so then what is that how does that translate to the sales session after the fact so it's really important. I mean, we're, we're kind of breezing over this, but we could probably spend a whole episode talking about how you get to know these couples. I want our listeners to make sure they, they don't breeze over it. They, they pay attention to that because that's really, really huge. But then they come to a sales session afterwards, and you do these in person sales sessions with every client. Is that right? Every single client, yeah.
1: Okay. I mean, if it's a more distant client, then we do it over Skype through video but yeah every single client goes to our meeting to decide what they would like to get you know from their wedding or from their family session or uh, um, portrait session for that
0: matter so when they come over what do you kind of set the scene with I mean, what, what is the whole, pr- I'm just, I want to create a really vivid picture for our listeners. As to, and we're sitting yeah. in a really nice space, by the way, for everybody listening in. We're, we've got a nice couch here, a comfortable couch, big couch, plenty of space for lots of people to come hang out and then we're sitting in front of a screen here with a projector mm-hmm. so you can actually put those pictures up there on the screen.
1: Yeah, so this is again something we learned from uh, from Steve that you know we make the bigger we bought the bigger sofa this was Sasha's idea, you know to big as big sofa that we can fit here so that we can all sit together versus us sitting on on different chairs than our clients so when the client sits on the oh, yeah, sofa, yeah, because you
0: actually made that comment earlier, and I didn't realize that's what you were referencing. Okay, yeah. That's interesting. So
1: we always we always try to sit on the same sofa as our clients. Okay, to build a rapport, to build a friend uh, friendliness, mm-hmm. and then, then we're part of them. And here I was trying, trying to sit on, on this this yeah. plastic chair over here. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so yeah. So that's that's one. You know, that's step one. That you know, the whole in person sales. We don't try to implement any tricks. Uh, we don't try to implement any. A subconscious, uh, you know, kind of signals uh, signals, <laughs> you know, to tr- you know trick those families. It's
2: and it has to be a sober decision. We, you know, in the past we used to offer like wine or beer because yeah. everybody likes a drink, right? Yeah. But now it's just water, tea, or everything that's non-alcoholic.
0: An okay. Yep. And, and talk to me about that decision though, because that is an interesting shift.
1: Yeah, we don't want basically uh, anybody leaving our uh, place. And after making a purchase, or the next day, feeling that that we like, gave them alcohol, so that will be easier for us to sell them anything. So we I don't, love that. That's yeah. Really so we don't want any any regret or anything like we want. We want every single person, every single family, to feel great that what they purchase, they will love. Wow. Huh. Okay.
0: So you go through the sales session. How long does that session usually take overall?
1: I would say. From an hour to two hours.
0: Okay. And they're, they're viewing the pictures on the screen and then are, are you having them make note of what image they want to order a print from? How do you do that?
1: So we use the software ProSelect, okay. and so everything you know, that we do through the sales process, we actually categorize those photos and move to different folders and uh, you know, go through the selection together until they decide what they want to purchase. We actually one of the reasons why we have the projector on the wall is so that we can display those photos in an environment that they would look you know that's how they were going to be uh, hang on the wall versus just a TV because we want to get away from that electronic format i mean it's still yeah. a projector but sure. it's but it's still projected now on the wall versus right on the wall. just displayed yeah. by a you know television or a monitor and and by the way in a very
0: realistic size too i mean if you had a, a big 90 inch uh screen up there it might seem a little bit unrealistic but it's i don't know maybe what a, a 50 inch 60 inch wide and and do you set you set the the images up there in different formats, so they can
1: see what that looks like. How does yeah? So you know, the ProSalaQ like is actually pretty cool that you can actually measure. You can calibrate the projector, so you know whatever the inches you know on the projector is actually inch what the software is showing. So we can actually do one to one. So, for example, if wow. somebody buys the twenty by thirty, we can show them exactly how twenty by thirty that's will look cool. on the wall. Okay. So that's you know, so that kind of helps you know to kind of visualize it you know as well. And then we can do different sets you know because we sell. Uh, I mean, we offer sets of photos, so we can do them through our software as well. So, and and just one other question briefly. Mm-hmm. You talked
0: to me earlier off air about how you price. You kind of shifted the way that you're pricing your sessions. Uh, for the sake of encouraging those print sales, can you explain that a little
1: bit? Yeah, so lately we actually reduced the prices of our sessions. Pretty low price, but then it just covers the session. And we're open, you know, to our clients that this is just uh, the fee for our session. But everything, you know, will be purchased when they come back, or uh, for families actually they purchase everything right after the session. So for families. You know, we photograph them. Then they have a half an hour to 45 minute break when we process all the photos. They can go to the park around with the kids here and they come back after 45 minutes and that's when we show them the photos and they will make the purchase. So they don't even have to get ho- You know, go home after the session. They, they wow. basically right away buy the photos, you know, from our session.
0: Wow, okay. One last question because Sasha is just dying for some sushi. I can tell. She's got that look in her face. She's like, Nate, stop talking already. One last question for for both of you prints? And, and I'm asking this really for our audience because I know the answer you were actually explaining it to me earlier, but do you print your own prints or do you have somebody else do it?
1: Uh, so, so both. So we actually have a brand Vasha Masterprint uh, where we focus on providing prints to other photographers, uh, but the, we mainly focus on competition prints. Uh, so whether it's for PPAs IPC or WPPI competition uh, we offer editing and printing and matting for the competitions so that so that's, those are the prints that we make ourselves wow. for our clients majority i would say 90% of the prints that we provide to our clients we print them through graphic studio and one of the reasons why we use Graphic Studio is one, we have uh, almost 10 years of partnership with them. But a few years ago, they bought the Dream Labo 5000 printer from Canon. It's like a half a million dollar printer that, you know, I did all the research about this printer when it came out. And what I love a lot about it is one, it, it supports Adobe RGB color space in terms of, you know, for printing. So right. you can. As
0: opposed to having to convert to CMYK and send it to. Them. Yeah. Right.
1: And then a lot, most of the labs, they just required to send the files in sRGB color space okay. and this is a much smaller space color space than Adobe RGB um and also the density of the uh the p- uh, printing points on on the printer it actually prints at 3000 dpi okay versus a Two hundred to three hundred regular DPI that all the other printers have. So you can see this in sharpness, in color uh, vibrancy, uh, and you know just contrast of those photos is just incredible. So they actually bought a second printer now, so they have two of them now, and we basically all the printing needs we always go through Graphic Studio right now. So
0: and it's fascinating to think about a printer. I think I kind of dated myself by saying CMYK because we've gone from I think. That maybe back when I was shooting, it's certainly still print products, like if you're going to order a business card or something, but that to sRGB to now the Adobe RGB color space, which is, is a much wider color gamut too. And you were talking about how that, you know, even the reds or the blues, the way that those will pop out from that Adobe G- RGB color space versus um, sRGB, for example.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, the, the color, the, the reds, the, the greens. Usually, uh, you know, the blues are the, the you know the very saturated colors are you know usually have the biggest problems to be printed, even especially on like matted uh matte papers. But even you saw in our uh, uh, finer print that we have here, the cotton paper, it's a matte paper, but the so colors nice. are just are just beautiful. And the way it's not even the printing, but it's also the how they mount those those acrylics and canvases. Uh, it's it's really like high end, and you know, people just come and and see those photos, and they just they, those prints almost sell themselves because it's like it's just beautiful.
0: Well, I think just to go back to what you were saying to kind of sum up our conversation uh, very briefly, the significance of offering something unique. Uh, I mean, we talk about creating a, a wonderful experience for our clients. How can we create a wonderful experience for our clients? Part of that is through offering something unique, and. It's, it's weird to say, but offering prints, fine art prints, and especially in the way that you do here, is actually something unique. It's something that if we want to up the ante as professional photographers and continue to be able to maintain that premium that we charge, mm-hmm. it's it's something that we can do. And of course, there's this wonderful end benefit, which is that you can encourage that client to be able to 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 purchase something that will help their family legacy and history live on and for other people to have the similar experience like you did looking at your great-grandparents picture it's a really really beautiful thing I, i really appreciate both of you making time to share and and um, but your insight and your experience and, and your energy I think you've got so much energy Yannick that it was actually like gener- literally generating feedback in the mic here as we were talking I mean that's the kind of energy that you're exuding <laughs> but I really Magnetic appreciate field you here. <laughs> I really appreciate you having me here in your studio and I, I want to make sure our listeners can find you online so just briefly share social media website and, and, and any of the education that you're also offering as well workshops or so forth that you're going to be speaking at
1: uh, yes yeah, so so um, on Instagram, we have two. So it's Vasho, so W A S I O. And then for our headshots and portraits, it's Vasho faces, which is W A S I O underscore faces. Uh, and on YouTube, I'm under Janek Vasho, and Vasho is spelled W A S I O.
2: You just have to Google W A S I O. You will see where we live, <laughs> yeah. what we look like, what our family <laughs> looks like. You will know everything. Just there's not many W A S I O's out there.
0: It's true. I, I, I <laughs> there, there. If you were to, yeah, if you're due to Google search for Holritz, it's just kind of a similar situation too. Oh, yeah. I think there's maybe like ten families in the whole U.S. So. Yeah. Well, Google W-A-S-I-O, but we'll also link to these, uh, the website, the social media in the show notes. And and do mention briefly some of the education. I mean, I know, you know you're on YouTube, mm-hmm. but um, are you going to be speaking at conferences coming up as well, doing any other teaching?
1: I don't have anything right, right now planned. I mean, edu- um, teaching is just for me a fun activity. Okay. So if something comes up, I'll do it. Yeah. It's not where I focus. Uh, I want to help other photographers all the time, but right now I don't have anything planned, but you know, something kind of just, you know, sign up to our newsletter and you know, we'll be sharing it.
2: Or if you just have a question, Yannick is always checking his email, so you can you can email us anytime, and Yannick will be more than happy to answer any questions anybody has.
0: And then that's just, is that info at, or what's the best email they can reach you at?
1: Yeah, info at VasyaPhotography.com.
0: Boom, there you go. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for making time for the Book of Podcast again.
2: Thank you so much for riding your motorcycle from San Diego <laughs> to the OC. Yeah. Oh, no, it was
0: my privilege. And actually, uh, just to kind of break the fourth wall here of our listeners, Yannick and I are going to actually jump on the motorcycles tomorrow and go riding. We've been talking about doing this literally for years now. Yeah. I finally so get to make it happen. Yeah. I, it's going to be quite the stark contrast. Yannick is on this, this beautiful BMW. I'm on
1: uh, a very large Harley cruiser. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to be trying to ride together. This is going to be quite interesting. Yeah, it will be quite. But we'll go to the mountains for some curvy roads tomorrow.
0: Absolutely
2: charger DJI.
0: To oh yeah, show. we're gonna get some pictures, maybe some video. That'll be kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you all so much for listening in and uh, thanks to Sasha and Yannick again for their wisdom and advice. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Boca Podcast. Will you let us know what you thought by leaving a review of the podcast in the Apple Podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast and suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My email is Nathan at com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Milu, the simplest way for photographers and coordinators to collaborate on shot lists and timelines for weddings, parties, and other amazing events. Visit milu, dot ucom This podcast is also brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the professional photographer. Visit photographersedit.com.